Yeah, recording is started and I'm about to start the broadcast now. The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Great. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, thanks, thanks for your patience. Um, and, and good evening to our international attendees and welcome to the anatomy of competition and economic development. Uh, competing communities discuss the same deal. My name is Guillermo Mazier, and I'm with Atlas Advertising's business development team. Uh, for those of you who don't know Atlas Advertising, we're a niche economic development marketing and technology firm that specializes in reaching local, national, and international industry, prospect, and site selection audiences. Uh, we specialize in strategy and research, website development, GIS mapping, branding, and creative services that are really geared towards high-impact uh, business attraction and retention efforts with a staff of uh, 13 based out of Denver, Colorado, otherwise known as Peyton Manning Country. Uh, that was a shameless plug for my favorite football team. Uh, but in any case, over the last 11 years <laughs> uh, since we've been in business, we've worked in 80-plus communities in 43 different states and six countries to provide the technology perspective and, and tactics to help communities become more competitive in this global marketplace. Now, before we get started here today, I wanted to provide some context for today's presentation and why we have more than 120 uh, economic development and company organizations from across, across, across the globe signed up for this webinar. Um, over, our, over our 11 years in business, we've been asked a lot of questions about economic development attraction. And I think one of the most difficult questions that we've been asked and wrestled with over the years is, what's the nature of competition in economic development? Or uh, are deals wired from the start? And if deals aren't wired from the start, what's the criteria that businesses are using to evaluate locations? Uh, all of this has really led to one simple question that's fueled our work here at Atlas. And it's a question that impacts us all as economic developers, whether we represent a state, a large region, or a single city or county, whether our operating budget is $10,000 or $10 million. Uh, this simple question is, is is do we as economic developers make a difference? Can we really influence location decisions? And can we really increase the vitality of our communities through the work that we do? So to address this do we make a difference as economic developers question and to help educate the industry, we've, we've done two things. Uh, and both of which you'll see here and be able to take away with you today. Uh, the first thing that we've done to help answer this question of do we as economic developers make a difference is develop the first real benchmarking project to see what communities across the U.S. see for relocation and expansion deals. Uh, what we're finding is that there are indeed metrics that drive outcomes and there are high-performing organizations that have similar characteristics that increase their chances of being uh, successful. The second thing that we've done uh, and that you'll see in here today is that we've leveraged relationships with the clients that we have across 43 different states and including the city of Fort Collins, who's going to be part of today's panel, and the city of Richmond, who's participating uh, as an attendee, both of which were communities directly involved in, in the deal that we'll be talking about today. Uh, and in addition to that, we've reached out and, and made some new relationships with Jones Lang LaSalle, Asheville, North Carolina, uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, to, to really bring to you guys and deconstruct uh, a real-world deal. Uh, this is something that we haven't seen uh, done in the industry, and so we're, we're really excited about it. So for today's pre que presentation, uh, there are a few questions that we want to answer. Uh, the first is about New Belgium. 
um, let's talk about the deal. So why did this company decide to conduct an, an expansion? Where did it start in the process? How did a company compare and evaluate presentations from multiple cities? And for this project, why was Asheville selected? Uh, the second question we want to we want to talk about is we want to hear the experience uh, from the perspective of the headquarters city, which which is Fort Collins. Uh, we also want to hear how the deal was experienced from the perspective of a city that competed uh, but was not selected uh, in Philadelphia, and then the experience from the perspective of a city that was selected. From there, we're going to put this all in, into context and talk about the market today, and really bring to light some of the drivers of business relocation and, and expansion deals today, what communities are seeing the most deals uh, ranked by population and size, and then we'll leave some time for uh, question and answer. So uh, before I introduce today's panelists, I want to give a few quick housekeeping items. The first question that you guys are probably asking is, where can I get this presentation? Uh, you can find this presentation in a couple of places the first of which being on our website at www.atlasadvertising.com or uh, we've just put it in the chat box so you should be able to click on the link in your chat box yes. on the right hand side of your screen. Um, the next question is, is, is about questions because you can hear us uh, but we can't hear you. There are a couple ways for you guys to ask us questions throughout the presentation. The first way is you can ask us questions through Twitter using the hashtag AskAtlas, uh, and we can respond to you uh, real time with, with our staff here in Denver. Or uh, you can type them into your chat box, and we can get to them as, as, as soon as we see them. Now, uh, I think it's with a lot of excitement uh, that I want to introduce today's panelists. Uh, representing the community of origin in this deal, uh, Fort Collins, we have Josh Burks, the Economic Health Director for the City of Fort Collins. Representing one of the few communities shortlisted in this deal in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, with the Philadelphia Industrial Development Corporation, we have Mark Seltzer, the Director of Navy Yard Management and Development, and joining him will also be Michael Cooper, PIDC's Industrial Market Specialist. Um, representing the city that was selected for the deal, Asheville, North Carolina, we have Ben Teague, the Executive Director of the Asheville Buncombe County Economic Development Coalition. And joining Ben, uh, we have the Director of Marketing for the EDC, Mr. Clark Duncan. Uh, on, on the right side, and, and helping to provide more context to this presentation, uh, joining me from Atlas Advertising, we have Atlas Advertising CEO uh, and Chief Strategist Ben Wright. Um, and last but certainly not least, I'd like to introduce the person that you all uh, have been likely waiting to hear from, Site Selector and International Director of Jones Lang LaSalle's Industrial Development Division, Chris Bjornsson. Um, all of these guys have, have wonderful uh, resumes, but for time's sake, uh, we're, I think we're going to jump right into the presentation. So with that, uh, I'd like to turn the presentation over to Chris. Thank you. I appreciate you, the introduction, and this is certainly an exciting project to talk through. And you know, first and foremost, want to thank Atlas for hosting this session because I think it's educational for everyone. And uh, sincerely appreciate all the economic development professionals, which Jones Lang LaSalle gets to work with around the country, and it makes all of our jobs easier and uh, certainly helps our clients achieve their goals and objectives. So, thank you for participating. Uh, your peers that are participating on this call with me, as in you know Ben and Clark from Asheville and Mark and Michael from Philly, did a, 
just an outstanding job in trying to understand this client, marshal community resources, and compete and strategize for this project all the way to the end. Uh, so let me help you walk through the project a little bit, and then they can give their perspectives. Uh, the project was commonly known, as some of your communities may have saw glimpses of it, it was, it was called Project Joe. Um, and that later became known as New Belgium Brewery. If you look at the slide that's really focused on what was New Belgium trying to achieve, um, they really wanted to expand their brand and their beer production and their beer consumption to the eastern half, eastern time zone of the United States. That was goal number one. Um, as you look at items two and four, it looks fairly close to many other production or high-end distribution projects that all of you see on a regular basis. The unique, the very unique thing about this process is item number three, and that's the qualitative considerations. More so than many of the clients we work with, these qualitative, qualitative considerations were the primary reason on, on why our company was hired and why we won the business and then ultimately, you know, was really how Ben and Clark won the business, was constantly focusing on how do they drive differentiation to the quality values of this company. As some of you may have seen, New Belgium Brewing was just recently recognized the number one place to work in America by a couple of different uh, um, people who give those rankings. So um, focusing on that qualitative considerations was, was uh, near and dear to the New Belgium people. They wanted the consistency of culture and brand. They wanted efficient, safe, educated workforce that could walk or bike to work. And that was a turned out to be a key driver throughout the whole process. Um, if you flip down and say, you know, how where and how did we start in the site selection process, a couple slides down. Um, you know, really the process followed. As I said, they wanted to produce and sell beer on the East Coast. So we really started with looking at the supply chain impact of that. Where could they do that cost effectively? How could they get it to the consumer base in the eastern time zone? And so a number of uh, the MSAs that we looked at, every MSA before we went to it had a cost and a service that we already had associated with in that process. And so we mapped out all the MSAs in the eastern time zone, associated a service level to get um, their uh, product to consumers as well as a cost to get their product to consumers. So that was really phase one. Um, phase two got into the high-level screen, which I'll send, spend some time on their criteria in the following slides, was what were they really looking for? And after we try to take it down from, you know, the hundred plus MSAs we have in the Eastern time zone down to a smaller number, we use the high-level screen as a screening mechanism to give the client they want on a shorter list. From that point on, we go into what we call the elimination phase. What are criteria about one of your communities that the client just can't live without, and how can we eliminate communities, not select communities? We then get into the traditional uh, services of site selection within a community as well as looking at structuring taxes, economic incentives, and the real estate transaction. So as I mentioned, you know, if you sit back and say, you know, what's the, you know, a couple slides down, what's the criteria that was really driving the client? And, you know, we load all of this, these factors on the high-level screen basis into a location intelligence model that we use, and we listed some of the data and ways we 
we use the data here. But some of the criteria that was really driving New Belgium, um, as you saw the ones highlighted, you know, how do they have proximity to an urban center or tourist destination? And these, these were criteria that I inherited from them. This was something that they, their uh, leadership team and in New Belgium, they call them the missionaries. The missionaries put together this criteria and said, we want to start, begin this process on a high-level screen through some of these things that mean this to us. Um, so you'd see, as you look down to these, you know, the one that, that we spent the most time on was really number two. You know, they wanted a progressive climate that's cultural, that's environmental, it's sustainable, it's political. And so we spent a lot of time and a lot of different data points to create a cultural index for all the communities in the Eastern time zone. And that index was constantly tweaked. We, we uh, spend time with the missionaries to say, what does that index look like? We spend time with their board. What does the index look like? You know, should there be more of a music flavor? Should there be more of an environmental flavor? And so a lot of time with this client was spent on that item number two. Uh, then some of the other ones, um, you know, fall into an order, you know, that, that we look at. The one that jumped out to really on the site selection piece was the proximity to town and the bike to work philosophy. New Belgium was looking for a workable, livable environment. So they were constantly uh, pushing us when we got to the real estate level to find those 10 to 20 acres. It was really driving uh, in an area where they could be of change. And that was point 11 on their you know, ability to have influence. The primary reason you have the, two the other two presenters on the phone with me was Asheville um, really excelled in items 3 through 7 and 10 and 11. And Philly really stood out to the client in items 1, 2, and 8 and 9. And there's a lot of other things that fall out as you go through an elimination process. But both of the communities that will be talking to you today we're on the short list to, to compete, you know, for those reasons. So following us, you know, a couple slides down, really why Asheville? You know, what turned out for this client is they really felt at home in Asheville. Um, you know, some of the people called it the Fort Collins east of the Mississippi. Um, Year-round activities, tourist destination, they felt right at home. They felt a cultural consistency especially with the site. When you look at the River Arts District, you look at West Asheville, um, they felt they had the ability to make a difference with that site and that immediate community. Um, some of the other cost advantages, you know, they like the utility situation, they like the workforce situation, so that site and that area really began to work for them. You can see some of the weaknesses that we debated, and I certainly hope for New Belgium's sake that Ben and Clark keep working on those no direct flights to Denver because I know that that'll help everything go smoother here in a couple years. Um, but you see some of the weaknesses. It was the smallest. It was the smallest MSA under consideration for us when we got down to our list of five or six. Um, the property sitting right on the riv river. We had to assemble land. We had to change use. A number of different things. You know that we did to bring this. You know bring this site and this location to reality for. So that was the quick snapshot. If you go to the next slide, this is what the new Belgium people passed out as uh, their second brewery. A lot of the same items that, that I emphasized in that. Uh, you, you can see myself enjoying uh, one of their cocktails at the uh, 
groundbreaking, and you can see my five-year-old, he actually participated in one of their tour de fans. So uh, it's a business that we enjoyed working with. They're about culture. They're about doing the right thing for the environment. They're about the doing the right thing for their employees. And we were thrilled to bring them to Asheville and work through this uh, two-year process with them. Well, Chris, this is this has been right with Atlas, and we just we want to thank you. We know you you're with a client in Minneapolis, and it's great for you to to have taken the time to speak with us. Um, if you guys would would post your questions to Chris in writing, um, we're going to post the answers on our LinkedIn group and on our blog. Um, and Chris, thanks for your offer to to follow up. I am sure that there will be uh, some great questions for you. Um, so great. Well, thanks thank again, you, Chris, and, and uh, we'll look forward to following up with you afterwards. And good luck with your client in Minneapolis. Great, and you know, thanks again to Mike, Mark, Michael, Mark, Ben, and uh, Clark. You know, it, this process you know is much easier when you have quality people helping you. Thank you again. All right, fantastic. So this is this is Ben Wright with Atlas, and and one of the things we're gonna we're gonna ask you guys do to do in addition to posting your questions for Chris is go ahead and fill out this poll for us. I think as we move into having the, the city of Port Collins, uh, Asheville, and, and Philadelphia present, um, it uh, will be useful for them to really understand who they're, they're speaking to in terms of geographies and, and so on and so forth. Okay, good. I'm going to go ahead and close this poll so you guys will be able to see, as well as you you all on screen, um, what the uh, what the results of this poll are. Okay, you guys are are seeing we've got a a, a good contingent of regions here today uh, as well. So thank you, thanks a lot for for doing that. Okay. So uh, again, this is this has been right that we're gonna we're gonna uh, move into the different. I think one of the things that makes this presentation so unique is that you've you've heard from the site selector, and what you're going to hear from now is the is from Josh Burks, who uh, has the perspective of the of the city of Fort Collins, who would have viewed this project as a retention or an expansion deal, but I think brings a a unique uh, perspective. So. Um, Josh, I'm going to go ahead and, and turn it over to you. Thanks, Ben. Um, I'll let the slide come up here on my screen so I know what I'm saying. Yeah, it, it's a unique, uh, this is a unique opportunity, I think, for the city of Fort Collins to, because we're put in a position that many of us economic development uh, individuals are not usually put in, which is understanding that sometimes the best retention uh, effort you can undertake is actually helping the company expand elsewhere. Um, and that was really kind of the attitude we took towards um, this particular opportunity. You know, it was really the kind of the end of uh, 2010 that we became aware that New Belgium was looking to expand. And we had a very brief conversation with them about um, whether or not they would want to consider expansion here locally. Um, you know, they're, they're one of our kind of um, rapidly, rapidly uh, growing companies here in Fort Collins, and they're a part of what makes Fort Collins what it is today. We really talk about the beer, bike, and um, culture uh, of our community as being 
of foundation of what makes Fort Collins pretty great. And so it was uh, with a little bit of, I think, trepidation that we, we entered into the conversation with them, but it's also with a great amount of understanding as to why we, um, why we recognize their need to, to look at doing what we call the satellite expansion. Um, you know, they reached out to us, like I said, at the end of 2010 and let us know that they were in a place where expansion was beginning to become more inevitable given the volume of uh, product they were selling as well as uh, the length of the distribution lines they were starting to run into. Um, you know, we had, a, as I said, a very brief discussion with them and it became readily apparent to us that you look at the nature of their product, it's heavy and it's uh, perishable and therefore it needs short distribution lines and for them to really move to the next level they were going to need uh, to look at a new location to produce their beer. Um, so our real role became one of actually supporting them in that effort. Uh, we offered to help them in the site selection process and, and reach out and make connections. In the end they were able to do most of that work on their own but we were there and supportive. Um, and then our last role was really to make sure that when the expansion was announced elsewhere that we helped the community understand um, what was the business case that was driving uh, New Belgium to look at making that expansion elsewhere and to help provide and reinforce that message in the press. So uh, if we can move to the next slide, you know our perspective again is, uh, is a unique one um, because here we are wanting to help our company do an expansion elsewhere because we know in, in the end that's, that's the thing that will make that company the most successful as well here in our home community. They'll be a stronger company if they have a greater distribution network. Um, again, as the site indicates, uh, you know, we, um, we were very supportive of their move to Asheville and in fact um, I think we actually take some pride in, in the idea that Asheville is the Fort Collins east of the Mississippi and, and you might argue the inverse is true, we're the Asheville uh, west of the Mississippi. Um, so it, it further reinforced that uh, I think that culture was important to New Belgium which made us feel good about our long-term prospects for retaining their corporate headquarters um, as well as it, it in a way it's, uh, it sort of evangelizes that which makes Fort Collins unique and gives us a little bit of, um, you know, we got some press as well out of it, I guess, is the bottom line. Um, so, you know, our, again, our perspective was that, you know, economic development, development, our task as economic development folks is really about helping good business, helping businesses make good business decisions. And so, as I've said already, it became very clear that just the nature of the product was going to be such that they needed to expand in a, in a satellite facility and that, um, you know, ultimately their expansion elsewhere meant the continued success of New Belgium as a business and this in the end strengthened both our community's role in their business as well as that business's role and presence in our community. So that was kind of the role that we played as uh, being kind of the headquarters community and our perspective on it. It was uh, different from the normal role that we would play as economic development professionals to try to really keep expansion and retention happening in our local communities, but in the end we, we understood uh, 
that it was about the long run and this was going to be great for the business, so that's great for us. Fantastic. Well, thanks a lot, Josh, for, for your perspective. So now we're going to move um, into a, uh, a presentation from Philadelphia, one of the one uh, competing cities that was uh, shortlisted that Chris mentioned. But before we do that, I'm going to launch one other poll. Um, and uh, this one has a, a uh, I think is, is pretty interesting. And I, I mean, I'm not sure how the answer is going to uh, play out. Uh, but it's how often do you clearly understand why your community has been um, awarded or, or not been awarded a project? And I think this is, um, this is something that goes to the heart of our role and our experience as economic developers. So I'll be fascinated to see this. Um, and then we're going to hear uh, quickly from, from Philadelphia. And uh, I think you're going to find their presentation to be pretty compelling, and you'll be able to see why they were uh, ultimately shortlisted. Um, okay, so I'm going to go ahead and share the results of this poll. And probably not surprisingly, uh, the re you know, rarely do we know why we were awarded a deal. Half the time, you know, um, uh, you know, a third of us said half the time, a third of us said rarely, and 25% said most of the time. And we had a few people, outliers on the end, say 1% never and 1% all the time. So fantastic. So thanks a lot. And I think this, this uh, shows that if, if, you, if you wonder, if, you know, if, you're, if you're wondering about deals, uh, you're not alone. Okay. So how was this deal experienced from the perspective of, of, of a competing city, in this case, Philadelphia? I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you, Mark. Great, great. Well, thank you. We've got a little chuckle out of the, uh, the poll you just posted. In this case, uh, which may come up in a question, the JLO folks really did a great job of communicating with us from sort of start to finish on this thing. So we probably agree most of the time this project was a little bit different as we got into it a little bit further. Um, just a little bit about who we are very quickly, and then we'll get into sort of the color of this. Um, uh, the firm that I'm, I represent, PIDC, in this case, PIDC is the Philadelphia Industrial Development Corporation. We're the city's economic development agency. Uh, and you'll see from these slides, essentially working on behalf of the Commerce Department, you know, really to implement the Commerce Department's and the Mayor's initiatives. So um, in specifically this case, the Navy Yard. The Navy Yard is a a 1,200-acre former Navy base um, that PIDC, on behalf of the city, is tasked with um, really through the BRAC closures, redeveloping the site uh, and sort of repurposing it for an office, uh, industrial manufacturing and research and development campus. And in those 10 years, we're up to almost 10,000 people, 120 companies, and you can read some of our great list of tenants. So lots of momentum around the Navy Yard. And, you know, for this deal, for us, coming in, you know, specifically came in through a relationship that we had uh, with the JLL broker. Uh, Michael Cooper's here with me, who runs sort of that group with us. Um, came in through Mike, and, and they very specifically wanted to see sites in Philadelphia, but uh, as we're finding now, sort of folks really want to narrow in on the Navy Yard and understand sort of what is this, you know, large 1,200-acre site at the foot of Broad Street, which cuts really through the city of Philadelphia. It's only a couple miles from our central business district. Um, so if you flip to the next slide, um, the, way we, the way we run through these things is sort of Philadelphia and, and just a little bit on who we are and, and uh, sort of the, the index that, that Chris was talking about, which we really understood. I mean, knowing that 
Philadelphia to I think a lot of the folks, and I think at first the New Belgium folks, was this um, sort of this really big city, and, and later on I'll, I'll say why I think that was a little bit of a disadvantage for us, but uh, this, this really large city, um, you know, what we say in our pitch, sort of really this unparalleled location, great transportation network, but when you really get into Philadelphia, there are things that probably will surprise you. Um, this is a really strong, bicycle-friendly city. Um, the parks through what we call Fairmount Park, uh, the largest sort of park system in the country for a, for a city. Uh, there's really great biking, lots of obvious culture amenities through being a city and the music and the art. But we're also a huge beer drinking town, uh, always on list of uh, you know the best beer drinking city or the top five beer drinking cities or the top 14 in the world, sort of all these things. So when we got this and we realized sort of who it was, we really got into, we think, we actually think we're perfect for this. And, and we still do, and, and we really had a great time sort of sharing that story with New Belgium. And when we get into it, we'll talk about some of our, our challenges here, and maybe we'll talk about it more in questions. But part of our, our task was to really explain to New Belgium not only why we think the Navy Yard is a great site, but why we think Philadelphia is a great site. And, and that leads to really our role here. Um, we looked at our role as um, PIBC, we led the recruitment on behalf of the city, on behalf of uh, the governor's action team and the mayor. We were really able to integrate all of those parties together in a really concise way. Um, I think PIBC and our city folks and partners are very good at that. I think that's one of our true strengths, that um, the Navy Yard and the city get a lot of these requests for proposals, I'm sure you do, and we've gotten really good at these site visits and being able to integrate all of these parties together in a really concise message. Uh, so we were able to gather this, this team, gather a project team, including an architect and a developer, and uh, really put together the package that we sent them. If you flip to the next slide, um, as I'm sure uh, all the folks did that put this together, it was a, a really cumbersome package. We're, we're decent at it because you get enough of them, and if you get enough of the JLL ones versus the the Deloitte ones and all the site selectors, you sort of know what's in there, and you can sort of put these things together pretty quick. And I think we've gotten pretty good at that. Uh, but it was a it was a very cumbersome package, something that we were really proud of to present the Navy Yard not only on sort of these specific sites at the yard, but the culture, as I mentioned. And as we go through that communication in, with JLL, we started to hear the things like you know really big city. Uh, we got into sort of, it's, it's very much an urban environment, uh, meaning a couple things. One, we build things closer to roads, and, you know, their Fort Collins facility, which we had an opportunity to visit, it's, you know, very wooded, large, expansive parking lot set back from the street. Uh, we build the Navy Yard and plan the Navy Yard as an urban environment, and things are, as I said, pulled closer to the street. The parking is typically in the rear or shared parking lots in other places. Um, and then they really push back on the acreage, uh, you know, a 20-acre site to build 200,000 square feet or so. Uh, we view that as a challenge in the sense of getting the uh, New Belgium folks and the JLL folks to really understand that we could build this in an urban way to achieve all of their goals to fit into the framework of the Navy Yard um, in a really specific but really stunning uh, and unprecedented way based on the location of where we were putting this. If you, uh, if you flip to the next, well, if, if you stay on this, the two pictures that you show are, 
the, the top picture is uh, Urban Outfitters Campus. This is a, a critically acclaimed, it's won just about every architectural award in the world for their campus reutilizing buildings. And uh, the picture below it, uh, the untrained eye would say this is a beat up old yellow industrial rusted out building. Um, they know what they're doing and any sort of development professional knows what they're doing. Look at this building and it would be an unbelievable renovation. So you sort of look at the dichotomy of these two pictures and that's what sort of New Belgium was focusing on the top part in this building. And I think we were able to demonstrate to them that they were able to achieve that goal. But moving on to the next slide, sort of one of these obstacles that we're hearing, um, in our visit with them we were able to share, so you'll see a map of the Navy Yard and, you know, really, you know, here are six different sites that we think you can achieve your goal uh, of this site. You know, there's six here and let's drill down further into them. And in our presentation with them, we, we did an analysis on all of these six sites based on their needs. And we got really in-depth on the one that they really liked, which was that yellow building, demonstrating to them that, you know, this is a short and long-term relationship with them. Demonstrating that Philadelphia and the Navy are, they would be building a showcase building that would get all of the same attention that Urban Outfitters is building. And, you know, Philadelphia is very much a city, uh, as you guys mentioned, that Denver's talking about. When somebody chooses Denver, like Peyton Manning did, and in the case of Philadelphia, when you choose Philadelphia, there is a great sense of pride here um, of working with Philadelphia, in Philadelphia, and the mayor involvement and the city's involvement. We really did feel like this was a perfect opportunity for them. Um, sort of moving on in terms of the obstacles and what, you know, what would we think about in the future. Um, you know, the idea that we're currently in the process of tweaking our master plan here at the Navy Yard, you know, the, the new Belgium experience has sort of been our mind and how can we sort of tweak this thing for the future to create sites that would accommodate that type of use uh, has really been incorporated into this. And um, the next step of this, which is in a grander scale and obviously not directly affected by new Belgium, just things that we think about in Philadelphia here as we, you know, for the site selectors and the Chris and, and the other firms in the world, you know, how is Philadelphia, how can we even make it a better place to do business? We think it's a great place to do business, but, you know, the master plan is the Navy Yard, and then this Philly uh, 2035 plan for, we encourage everybody to go look at philly2035.org. It's a great plan on how we view our city and how we think our city will look in 2035 and all the great interaction between all the city departments and public and private to make it really the best place. But at the end of the day, uh, I think we would all be sort of joking if we didn't say um, we're thrilled that Asheville got the project, uh, you know, to congratulate them on it. But at the end of the day, I think we still do believe that Philadelphia would have been a fantastic place um, for New Belgium to land. We think it's a great place to do business, and it would have been sort of a, a flagship location that really everybody would embrace, and they truly would have put their stamp on Philadelphia. So. Um, We'll drink the beer when it gets up here, uh, but we would love to be drinking it cold off the tap uh, right here at the Navy Yard. Oh, well done. Um, so uh, this has been right with Atlas. We're gonna we're gonna shift to how was this deal experienced from the perspective of the selected city, which you guys by now know uh, is Asheville, North Carolina. So I'm gonna uh, turn it over to Ben Teague. Uh, take it away, Ben. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate it, and so. Honored to uh, be on the phone 
in the webinar with these other world-class cities that have done a great job and we're humbled to have uh, won the project that New Belgium selected us. But uh, just a little bit about us. Um, the EDC, the Economic Development Coalition of Asheville, Buncombe County, represents the city and the county. Uh, the county is about 235,000 people, and it's a center of a hub of about 400,000 people. So you can see kind of the size differential uh, between us and some of the uh, other cities on the line. Uh, just the nuts and bolts of what we saw in the timeline, uh, if you'll notice on the left-hand side of the page, um, actually, before we say that, the top portion is really kind of actions by New Belgium, and then the bottom portion are kind of what we saw in some significant events that happened in our in our timeline. So the very first phone call was from JLL just kind of doing a, um, a real estate search back in April, uh, which we, we didn't hear too much from there, but we actually, um, and we didn't know who the client was at that point in time. We just knew it was a reputable site selection firm. And so we tossed out a few options and didn't hear too much until June of 2011 is when uh, Chris came in with uh, Chris Skabinski, uh, his partner at JOL, and we had a, a dinner with Jen Bervier, and we very specifically, we knew some, some basics about the company at that point, so we, we uh, matched some personalities here in our community along with Clark and I and went to a, an initial visit dinner with them. And then uh, not long afterwards, they issued a what I called a, a limited RFP because it, it didn't go to all of the cities that they visited, uh, just a, a smaller number. Uh, but just like Mark said, it was a, a, a very cumbersome, significant RFP. I think at the end of the day, we shipped out what was uh, in the physical form, paper form, was like 33 pounds of, of data uh, on the different sites. But we had multiple sites in that RFP, and um, they were heading towards another visit in September. Uh, right before they came in September, uh, Chris Skabinski came over and really drilled down a little bit further on what we called our stockyard site, which you'll see a, a picture of here in the next few slides. Um, but they wanted to recreate somewhat of the experience they had in the very small meeting with one of their executives, except they wanted to recreate that with kind of a large contingent of folks. Um, they, they had people from their bottling line, from their shipping and warehousing and executives, and, and really that's the culture of New Belgium is having uh, a very open process, a very open management system. And uh, so it was, in, it was critical that we explain value to each one of them uh, as they were in some way a decision maker, uh, each one of them, no matter their position. Uh, as they were here, we did tour two different sites. Uh, one uh, was kind of a flyby, and the other one uh, we did a little bit deeper dive on. Uh, but it was critical that we controlled the site. Um, actually, of the three parcels of land that were ultimately assembled, only one was for sale. So we actually had to go out and uh, take options on the other pieces of property and control them throughout the site. At that time, in, in, the, in the dotted lines that you see, um, the, the dotted areas, really kind of significant events for us. Um, so we controlled the site, as well as we started to engage an engineer and an architect 
uh, on a pro bono basis and kind of um, extended the confidentiality piece uh, to them and, and trusted them uh, in preparation for an October meeting uh, that Philadelphia also went to in Fort Collins. And that's kind of where we laid out to them uh, the engineering drawings. And we actually had the engineer take uh, Google Earth and uh, kind of take the outline of their site and measure the square footage on their site and assemble it on our site here so that we could prove to them that they could they could fit the square footage and they could start to see themselves here in Asheville based on their location in Fort Collins. So that was a successful meeting, uh, but certainly uh, uh, the beginning of a significant process. Um, we were able to uh, secure another meeting with them in December and they came back. Uh, this was a, an interesting meeting as they came back it's a, a cultural piece within the craft brewing industry. Uh, there's, there's certainly competition, but there's a lot of collaboration. And uh, New Belgium was concerned about how they would be received here by the nine craft brewers that we have here in town. And uh, it was a kind of a breakthrough meeting when they actually attended a Christmas party with them and, and kind of got that reassurance. And it was important for us. It was also important that we signed some legislation, um, myself, and uh, which I'll talk about a little, little bit later, uh, and a partner just south of us that was working on Sierra Nevada project uh, helped change some legislation in North Carolina to be advantageous uh, for craft brewers of uh, large craft brewers. Um, so it was a feel-good meeting, but it kind of came to, in our minds, uh, a little bit of a halt when Sierra Nevada announced. Uh, just south of us, about 10 miles south of the site, uh, which is a significant event for the community. And it's a great thing, but in our minds, it cast a little bit of a shadow of concern of how that would affect New Belgium. Would, would they feel like their star was a little bit more dull? Uh, would they be the superstars of this transformational project um, if a large company very similar to them announced? And, uh, and they they did move forward and made the right decision um, for their company to continue moving forward. Uh, and we did too and started doing transportation studies around their site, which eventually informed uh, the city's commitment and MOUs and incentive process for them. And uh, ultimately in April, um, they announced here after a year-long process with us here in Nashville. And if you'll flip to the next site on the next uh, slide. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about some of the hurdles that we encountered and things that we had to kind of ponder over. First was, uh, as you've heard on, on the line, world-class competition of other cities that are out there. Uh, there was Richmond was a, uh, a competitor as well, Philadelphia and a few other cities. But it, it was not apples to apples with, with us. And you, you heard the population size difference. And there's just a different look and feel between the two different cities. So we were wondering, how does this um, relate to us? How do we um, position ourselves if, if the cities are, are so different? Uh, so we, we had to kind of drill down on that piece. And then um, we had such high profile clients. They were rock stars in our community. Uh, truly, uh, people in the industry recognizing them, people in the industry knowing them. And at one point in time, when they were here in September, very early on, uh, and, and because of New Belgium's open management style, 
um, it, it, was, it was easy to know when they were in town. So at one point in time, when we were having this confidential process, um, the consultant for Jones Lang LaSalle walked up to us with a real-time tweet at the meeting and said, you know, what is going on here? Because people were tweeting that they were in town. Uh, and it certainly was not because of a, a, a leak from our side. Um, and then, of course, I talked to you about the new Belgium project um, being at the same time and announcing uh, uh, at the same time and our concern about that. And that was, that was just something we had to work through um, with them. And then the site was a significant concern for us. If you can imagine a 20-acre uh, a site that had a stream cutting right through the middle of it that has to be or has to be dealt with, we considered relocating it or what do we do with that. The entire site was a brownfill. Uh, was a brownfield. Uh, one half of the site had a landfill underneath it. Uh, it was directly is it's directly adjacent to a river, which basically says it's in the floodplain, as well as half the site or, or a portion of the site was in floodway, and dealing with uh, dealing with regulatory agencies there. And um, ultimately, it was in the urban urban district. And you'll see the, the graph in the lower left. Uh, showing a distance to City Hall, 18-wheelers in urban sites are, are, can be difficult. So you'll see a rendering here of what the actual site is going to, uh, to look like. And then we'll skip to the last slide. Can we move to the next slide? There we go. Um, I'll just tell you quickly some of the lessons learned that um, kind of our, our models that we've taken away is is uh, back to the to the apples to apples. Many times we try to position our community versus the competition, and and understand obviously the strengths and weaknesses of us versus them. Uh, but in this situation, the communities were so different uh, that we had to focus on authenticity and telling Nashville's story. And the way that we did that was bring other CEOs to the table that matched them and could tell the story in a very authentic way. And, and, I, and I think oftentimes we're, we're the paid staff to tell the good news. And it's just a, a, a better, you're in a better spot if, if someone who's not on the staff can come and, and tell that story in a relatable way. And then dealing with the confidentiality versus community collaboration, there were hundreds and hundreds of hours put in by architects and engineers of, of different types into this um, into this project in dealing with the confidentiality and I can say um, reaching out and trusting our partners that were out there was absolutely critical in this process and uh, we, we found that to be a very successful model uh, for a number of projects and something that we've come to uh, kind of take as a, a core piece of who we are is reaching out and using other talent outside of ourselves to win a, to win a client. And then lastly, it was it was tough to learn kind of things that you can control and what you can't control. Uh, the Sierra Nevada announcement uh, happened. There was nothing we could do about that. It was a great thing for our community. Uh, there was nothing we could do about it. Its impact on our clients. But what we could do is go out and we performed a third-party consultant workforce study, showing that we could handle the labor concerns as well as uh, we could absorb New Belgium, as well as New Sierra Nevada, handle all nine breweries here, plus another brewery or, or several breweries. Uh, so that really gave them comfort in the workforce that we have here. 
And then the legislative change uh, to benefit our clients and successful legislation. Uh, again, back to Sierra Nevada, um, them coming in to the community really opened a window for us to go and partner with economic development entities just south of here to say, the legislate, neither of our clients will be able to locate here if we don't get this legislative change, legislation changed. So we had a bigger bat to take to the legislature to, to eventually get this piece changed. Alcohol legislation is actually very difficult to change, but it was um, the most successful piece of legislation during that, during that session. Uh, so we were proud of being able to, to move that around by, for the benefit of our client and the benefit of Western North Carolina. And then, um, not a lesson learned, but really just kind of a, an output was a collective win in the way that New Belgium works. Um, the river is a significant piece of our community, and so you have a lot of advocates for the river and people who are very passionate about it. And they've jumped on board and really championed this project. And the, the neighborhoods that are directly surrounding it, the community planners, all in favor of this uh, of this project because they see it not only as an economic development boom, but it's really a transformational community boom for the River District as well as the Lincoln uh, districts such as downtown. So it's it's really a collective win for our entire community, which speaks to the transformational project that they uh, that New Belgium was valuing. Fantastic. Well, thanks a lot, Ben. This is this has been right uh, appreciated and, and congratulations. So I, I want to launch our, our next poll here, and I think this has a lot to do with uh, the purpose of this presentation. So, um, so after this discussion, or, or as a result of hearing from the site selector from from Fort Collins, from Philadelphia, from Asheville, you know, are you more uh, the same or less convinced that practitioners made a difference? And I think that's a um, to me, that's when I was a practitioner uh, at the Metro Denver EDC in the 90s. That was always a question we had, and so that's one of our main our main points. So I'm going to go ahead and close this poll and share it, and you can see uh, you can see the results. 53% uh, of the same. So you knew that you could make this kind of a difference as as practitioners. 43% are more convinced and 3% are, are less convinced. So uh, Ben and Mark and, and Josh, I think uh, I think you've you've added some uh, you've added added something to the profession today, which which is great. So we're going to get to questions pretty quickly, but I think it's my job uh, to kind of bring this together um, and, and tell you a couple things we know about the market. As Guillermo said, we we. We work in, in 80 plus communities in 43 plus states. Um, here's the, the main point that I would make right now. If, if you do make a difference, companies are companies are, are seeking like like New Belgium are seeking new markets, right? They may be uh, global markets, they may be local markets. The information they're gathering is the same, but the time frame they're making decisions in has become shorter. But I think most importantly, deal flow is high right now. And I think um, so one of the things that it's hard to see as a practitioner is, gosh, I'm getting more calls, but I don't really know why. I guess what I would, I would tell you is that the market is, uh, is pretty strong. When we do research with site selectors, you heard from Chris today about one, 
this is the result of, of a survey that, uh, that we recently did with 27 site selectors. And these are the number one reasons that, uh, these are the drivers of, of relocation and expansion today. Growth and access to markets. So yes, in that way, New Belgium was a, a very representative deal of the broader market. Um, lower costs. So we didn't hear a whole lot about costs, but I'm sure that entered into the equation for, for New Belgium. They may not be as profit-driven as, as some, but that matters. And talent. You know, there, there was a labor study alluded to. Um, and then once you've, once you've met those criteria as a community, then it comes down to real estate, transportation, amenities, so on and so forth. If there's anything for me that stands out as unique, and I think it stood out for Chris with New Belgium, is the cultural impact of their decision. Um, I think it would be fantastic uh, if more companies operated that way, if more companies really understood the why uh, of why they're in business the way New Belgium does. Um, uh, although I, I, uh, I'm not sure that that, that that is the case for every company. So this is kind of how they, they fit into the market. Um, so we've got some great quotes here about how the criteria have changed. Uh, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time um, uh, on that, but I wanted to introduce uh, something else that we're doing that Guillermo has mentioned. Um, by doing benchmarking, uh, by actually talking, we've now gotten results from 105 different communities. We're able to actually benchmark the performance of individual communities in terms of deal flow. And in 2011, we basically put it out that, uh, based on 2011 data, here are six communities that have seen the most activity, have seen the most deals. And there, there are industry awards, and there's local congratulations and things like that. But I guess what I'd want to say is here are six communities that I think are really doing uh, amazing things. Sometimes uh, it has to do with location. We've got We've got you know, a few of these uh, communities that are in Texas. Actually, both of these, uh, Richardson and Plano, are in Dallas. Uh, in other cases, you've got very skilled marketers. In other cases, you've got very skilled uh, business developers. And I think these, are, uh, these communities are, are to be commended. Um, uh, all of this, is the, all of this is, is the result of sharing information, though. And we would love it. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do one more poll and then hand it to Guillermo if uh, y'all would, would uh, like to be included in the benchmarking study. So if you'd like to be in, included in this study, we'd love to, we will send you a confidential report that benchmarks your community's uh, activity. It is a five-question survey um, that asks you website activity, it asks you uh, uh, how many inquiries you've gotten, and it asks you um, uh, how, much, how many jobs you've announced and how much capital investment you've announced. So uh, if you'd like to learn more, you can let us know about that too. Um, so thank you very much about that. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to uh, pass it to Guillermo, and then we're going to take questions via, via your, uh, your question um, uh, panel on the right. So go ahead, Guillermo. Great. Uh, thanks, Ben. And, and um, Jeff, as a, as a side note, we've entered the link for the benchmarking survey in the chat box, so you guys can access that, that link directly in the chat box. So um, as we're wrapping up, the question is, 
how do I help my community make the most of its opportunities with expanding or relocating companies? Um, as a company that, that specializes in reaching kind of local, national, and international audience, we, we try to do three things, and that's generate awareness, which ultimately generates inquiry, which in turn generates jobs and capital investment. So what are the, what are the five steps that you can do um, or focus areas that you can do uh, to be ready? Um, and I think one of the things to keep in mind is that right now your community is being evaluated as a business location. Uh, what you do with that uh, is up to you. And, and here are some things that we think can help. The first is re research and ben benchmarking. Know where you are uh, uh, locally, nationally, and regionally. Know where you stand. Um, we've, we've provided the benchmarking link uh, in the chat box. Here it is again. The second is branding and messaging. How are you telling your community story in a way that's different, unique, and authentic um, in a way that resonates with uh, location decision makers. How is your community different from any town USA? Um, the third thing we would we would suggest is business development, establishing relationships with, you know, your local community partners. As you heard uh, Ben Teague talk about, uh, as you heard um, Chris talk about, making these connections with some of your key stakeholders. The fourth thing you can do is is improve your uh, economic development website and technology platforms. Uh, these are just some of the tools that you would use to Looks like looks like we've lost Guillermo. Ben Ben Teague, do we still have you? Um, I'm still here. Okay, great. Well, I'll, I'll take over for Guillermo. Apologize. Looks like his connection was was lost. Um, and just make the last point: be be ready to be evaluated. What, what you heard from Chris was that they have part of their process is a is a uh, disqualification of of communities, and a lot of times. Many of you get disqualified before you knew you were you were in the game, and I think that's really important too. So with that, I'm going to um, ask you guys to to chat in one thing you learned about today's webinar, and then chat in your questions, and and in particular, chatting in questions for our three panelists um, from Fort Collins, from Philadelphia, and from uh, and from Asheville. We have one question, which were, which wasn't a question. Uh, uh, said thanks for the love from uh, from Orlando. Thank you, Jen Wakefield. Um, okay. Um, so one of the things that that Chris Chung learned from uh, from Missouri was uh, uh, learned that that uh, some additional ways that companies filter the search, which I think is fantastic. Um, um, there's a, a question for site selectors, which we'll follow up on. Um, uh, ben, here's a question for you, um, and it, it really has to do with the legislation. Um, so what, what exactly was the required legislative change uh, in North Carolina around larger craft brewers? What, what did you have to get changed to, 
to make it a more business-friendly environment. Yeah, um, uh, given the short time, I didn't have time to, to go into that, but the basics were uh, the legislation on the books uh, said that a brewery that was larger than 20,000 barrels of beer that produced 20,000 barrels of beer could not have a tasting room uh, on site. And um, if you look at large craft breweries that have a distribution across the nation or eastern half of the United States, the, the tasting room is not about profitability as much as it is about branding and visitation. Uh, but it's still important to, to them. And so we tweaked the legislation. Instead of saying, um, you know, if you're above 20,000 barrels, we said, you cannot serve more than 20,000 barrels of beer in your tasting room. So we, we tweaked it where large, large breweries were, were fine. You know, I mean, it's funny. Sometimes you see legislation that might have been set up for a different purpose back when it was set up. So um, that's fantastic. So here's, here's one that I think could be uh, from either Fort Collins, Philadelphia, or, or, uh, or Asheville. What, what do you suggest for a small community under 25,000 that is getting into the game? Are there any key steps to, uh, to be better at responding to inquiries or, or simply doing economic development? Um, so any, uh, uh, any input from our panelists there? Yeah, hey, this is Mark in uh, Philadelphia. I don't have a problem taking a shot at that. I think a lot of the things you guys outlined are correct. Um, one of the things, and we do this too, we've responded to sort of inquiries. We also have gone through a process with some larger grant applications, and I think it's true that you sort of get better each time you do them. Uh, and things like this certainly help. You saw some renderings, and you, you learned that we brought in sort of a team of architects and engineers, and uh, Asheville did the, the same. And, we did a lot of similar things that Asheville did, and that was good for us to learn, you know, sort of CEO to CEO events. But I think one of the things that you do is sort of keep getting after these things and improve your message, uh, improve the look and feel of what you're doing, improve your branding, um, to really put together a concise, uh, good-looking package, because that gives you some credibility there. There's obviously sort of uh, the meat and the crux of it is important, but you put together this sort of robust team and integrate all the parties um, you know, is really an important thing, something that we've tried to do here as we've gotten better at these things over time. Um, you know, that, that's sort of what we've done here and try to address sort of all the issues uh, that you can sort of in one package. That's fantastic. So we'll, we'll take one more, and I, I think it's uh, a good question. Um, um, Let's see. Um, well, one is a, a question about how do we get a copy of the presentation. Uh, you can go to the Atlas website for that. Um, um, let's see. Oh, here we go. Um, how do you? How important do you think it is for economic development organizations to have one-on-one -on -one visits with site consultants? So, uh, who wants to take that one? Um, this this has been T. I, I'll I'll give a shot, and if Mark wants to to, to pitch in, that's great too. Um, I, I do think it it matters. Uh, it, it that that matters, but it, it varies in in, in degree. You, if you have a product to sell, then um, 
obviously that's that's more important ones that they're they're interested in. Um, so it, if you're just trying to build an entrepreneurial uh, community and kind of uh, economic gardening, I would say maybe maybe not as much. Um, the relationship, the reason that Jones Lang LaSalle contacted us, um, one, we had a relationship with them and had done a previous deal with them. So it was important to have kind of more than just a one one visit deal. We had a, a little bit more of a relationship. But we do routinely call on site selectors um, out there. So I think it's important, but you got to have something to sell. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Well, I want to, we, we started a little bit late, and I want to keep to everybody's schedule, but I, I want to say thank you so much. Thank you in, a, in, a, in absentia to Chris, and if you've got any additional questions for Chris, please send them, chat them in now, and we'll get them answered in writing. We want to thank our client, Josh Burks. I want to thank Mark and, and his team from Philadelphia, Ben and your team from Asheville. I think you guys have done a, a phenomenal job, and, and thanks to Guillermo with Atlas for coordinating a great webinar. So as we've said, this, this video will be on our website uh, within a day or so, uh, and the slides will be on our website as well uh, within, uh, within the hour. So I want to thank, thank all of our attendees as well. We hope that this has been a, a really useful exercise for you, and, and uh, hope you have a great day.